How many enjoy going to the doctor? Like, it's a big thrill for you, right? I guess healthy people are like, yeah, no big deal. But most of the time, people hate going to the doctor because they touch you with things like this, number one, and stick out your tongue. I don't know if people still do that or not anymore, but I remember as a kid, hated that when you get the tongue depressor. But when you're going to the doctor, it's either because something's wrong with you or they might tell you that something's wrong with you, right? And both, both, neither one of those are fun. And often, you know, a doctor to me has kind of a hard job because what if they don't practice what they preach? Like what if they, they tell you, you know, I, I distinctly remember a doctor one time told me, yeah, do this about your lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. And um, I saw him afterwards and he was, he was smoking. Like he'd tell me, don't smoke. It's, it's bad for your health. You know, I mean, it's like he's practicing what he, what he would preach there. Same for anybody that teaches the word of God. Do I practice what I'm teaching. And it's important. That's why uh, people who teach the word are held to a higher accountability. There's no doubt about it. And that's my longing of my heart is always to not tell you something that I'm not doing myself or striving for myself. So enough of the illustration here. I know you appreciated that. Um, Today, we're going to continue in this series in 1 John. And John, in this passage that we're reading, I believe all of 1 John is a spiritual checkup. He's wanting to um, protect the believers from false teaching that was going around. There were many people that were saying Jesus didn't really come in the flesh, and they'd come in behind. And John's a really old man when he wrote this letter, wise though. And he also, again, teaches them how to love one another, and that that was the most important thing. And the, the passage that we're going to read today is a little hard. It is. So if you're a guest with us, stick with me. No, I'm kidding. But like, it's easy to think, well, when I read First John, me and Brian were talking, it's a hard letter to start with. And I thought, why did I pick this letter <laughs> to teach through sometimes? Because it is. It's, it slaps you upside the head a little bit. But how many are aware of how easy it is for us to, to drift in our spiritual life? It's easy to drift. Drifting is, is really easy to do. If, if there was a river in front of me and I wanted to get straight across to the river, I have to have a plan on how I'm going to get there. If I just jump in the, the, the water, I'll drift with the current. And you and I drift spiritually if we don't have a plan. Now, everything about our lives as Christians is about grace, God's undeserving favor that he pours on us. But grace doesn't negate our effort in our walks. It doesn't negate what we're supp- our participation in it. God gets the glory, we get the joy, right? And so we're going to do a little bit of a, a, a checkup today. And I believe Jesus, you know, we say he's the great physician, he's the healer. Um, he did heal physically and he still can heal today, but he's the doctor of the soul, really. And he wants to heal us from, from wrong thinking about God and about one another and why, why we exist. So as I'm going to have this task of unpacking this, you know, set of verses that we're looking at today, I'm going to ask two questions that I believe the, the scriptures are, that John's letter is asking of us on how are we doing in our soul? How are you doing spiritually? Picture yourself in, in God's doctor office today as you would go to the doctor to get a checkup and they take your vitals and all of that. God wants to do that for us today. And listen, it's, it's with a little trepidation, even in myself, in this word, because it's a hard word. I just warn you ahead of time. It's not an easy word that John has. 
but it's worth it. And God's going to do a work in us. So the first question to diagnose your spiritual condition, your spiritual health is, am I keeping close to Jesus? Am I keeping close to Jesus? In John 15, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, he says, listen, it's to the Father's glory that you produce fruit. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. You've got to stay connected to the branch if you want to produce, if God, God I'm going to be able to produce fruit in your life, spiritual fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of, of obeying and doing what he asks to do. But if you remain, don't remain in him, you're like that branch that's disconnected and withers away and dies. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, here's basically John reminds his readers the same thing. He says, now, dear children, remain in fellowship or abide or stay connected with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. How do we know if we're staying close to Jesus? Well, I came up with three questions right out of our our text for this morning, three questions that you can ask yourself and say, how am I doing in this? Am I staying close to Jesus? And the first one is this, where do I find my identity? Where do you find your sense of self-worth? Where do you find your your sense of self-esteem and purpose? If it's from what you do for a living or your, your looks, or your money, or, or it's the opposite. You, get, you find a, a low self-esteem in the lack of money, or you don't think you're beautiful, or whatever. The world is always trying to tell us who we are. We need to find out who we are from our Creator who loves us deeply. And we believe these lies. If, if you find your identity in something other than the love of God, you're going to miss out on what it really means to feel like a whole person. Because if you're beautiful, you're going to get older and get droopy, right? If you're in shape, you'll get droopy. It just doesn't matter. It's the way it goes. You'll get gray or you'll lose your hair or whatever. And and if it's money can be taken away, we don't want to find our identity in anything other than the love of God. John, the apostle throughout the gospel of John referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's a guy that was finding his identity in who he was in Christ. Here's what it says. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. I think understanding how much the Father loves us is the most important thing we can figure out. And I know in a room this size with this many people, there's a lot of people that don't know that God loves you. And even people who follow Jesus and have for a while, you're not living experientially in the love of God the Father on a daily basis because of shame, because of messages that have been told you. Maybe your earthly father wasn't a great example. And so when you think the word father, you, you, you picture somebody that tolerated you. Yeah, maybe they provided, but they didn't spend time with you or, or, or give you a sense of self-worth. Jesus tells a story in the gospel of Luke, of how we should view God the Father. It's the story of the prodigal son, right? And if you're, if you're new to church or you're new, new to the Bible, it's one of the greatest stories of the gospel. But Jesus says this. He says there were two sons. And he said, one son 
came to the father and he said to their father and he said, I want my inheritance now. Before he died, he wanted to have his inheritance. That was a huge faux pas in that culture. Jesus was making a huge statement here. I want my inheritance. And the father graciously gives it to him, right? And the son goes and spends all of his inheritance on wild living, carousing, partying, live it up, till he didn't have any money left. And he was hungry. And it says that he, Jesus said that he came up with this plan in his mind that he was going to go back to his father and he would ask to be one of his household servants. At least I'll, I'll have three, three meals a day and be taken care of. I, I, don't, I know I'm not worthy to be his son because of what I've done. But, um, and he comes up with this plan and it says that, that the father was sitting on his, basically his front porch and he saw that prodigal son walking home. And he didn't wait for the son to come to him. He ran to him. He fell on him and he embraced him and he hugged him. He loved him. And the son began to give his little spiel of what, how he was going to make it right with the father and, and maybe eke back into servanthood. And as soon as he opened his mouth, the father said, no, this is my version of this story, but it's, it's kind of, you know, I get to tell it. The father said, zip it. No more of that. My, my son who was dead has been found. He's alive. And he threw a celebration. He threw this amazing party for his son who had come home to him. That's God the Father. He's not some far-off deity, old man that's grouchy all the time that we get pictured in our heads sometimes. It's a loving Father who lavishes his love upon us that we need to find our identity in. The second question to know if I'm keeping close to Jesus is ask yourself the question, what am I longing for? What what are the desires of my heart? What's the passion of my life? What gets my attention the most? Am I longing to be with Jesus, to experience him? Am I longing for his return? Am I longing for the day when I get to see him face to face? Let's be honest. We want to put that off and, 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 and live this life that we've been given but we forget life is so short and he is the ultimate reality more than anything else in our lives. Jesus is the ultimate reality. John continues, he says, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is. Am I longing for that day? My longing to be with him. That's how you know if you're keeping close to Jesus or not. It's so easy to compartmentalize our faith by one hour on a Sunday and then not think about him the rest of the week. I know that's, that's you know, easy for us to do. We get caught up in the daily grind and we get caught up in work. We get caught up in wiping noses and whatever you do as a, you know, a parent and, and yet not think about Jesus. He needs to be the longing of our heart. Then we'll know we're abiding in him. And then lastly, do I desire purity? Do I desire to walk with pure motives, pure speech, pure, I have a pure heart. It says, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Jesus is, you know, obviously sinless. 
He's pure. To be, if we have this hope, this longing, then we'll walk in purity the way he wants us to. Now, by no means am I saying any one of us are going to live some sort of perfect life. We're not going to, to, to live a perfect life in this life, but we're following the one who is perfect and let him mold and shape us. Let him change us from the inside out and live with, with pure eyes, a pure heart. Father, would you help us to walk in purity? God, there's something on each one of our conscience right now where we know we're not walking in purity. We've had a struggle with it. We've had a battle. So, Lord, today we want to give that struggle over to you and be close to you, Lord. We know you never, you never walk away from us or turn your back on us. We, we do that, Lord, and forgive us for entertaining impure thoughts, impure things that go into our eyes, into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Second question to diagnose your spiritual health coming from this text is, what do I feel and do when I sin? We're all sinners saved by God's grace, right? I'm aware of it every day of my own selfishness and issues and and struggles. But we don't want to let the enemy bring in condemnation to us because Romans 8.1 says there's no longer any condemnation for those that are in Christ. We're not condemned, but he does want to change us and not let us just stay, you know, in whatever sin pattern that we find ourselves in. I think a motivation for a holy life, a pure life, comes from a desire to turn away from sin and turn away from impure thoughts and impure things. And I know sometimes there's there's those gray areas that we don't know, we don't have answers on. Ask God about those gray areas. He, he'll, he's given the Holy Spirit to lead each one of us. It says, everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. How do you and I know when we're sinning or not? My favorite definition of sin, you can write this down, is a failure to love God in a failure to love others. Sin can be traced to one or both of those all the time. Um, Jesus, he said that you know, of the 613 commands, you read the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, 613 things that thou shalt and thou shalt not, right? And you can get pretty lost reading all of that. Like, whoa, man, what is this? Jesus said, you want, you want the cliff notes of all of that? He said, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a command found in Deuteronomy 6. And he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, those two overlap each other. We really love God by loving one another. If you want to know how to love God better, love your neighbor better. Love your spouse better. Love your kids better. Love love your parents better. Honor your parents. It's always going to boil down to love. Sin is a failure to, to love. So John continues, and he says, and you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. What? (laughs) Hopefully you said what on that as well, right? What does that mean? But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. 
There are sins of the flesh and sins of the heart. There's outward sins, but there's sins also inwardly. And the sins of the flesh are obvious behavior things that, that we can entertain in, in, in our actions or, or, or commit. The inward sin, sometimes we don't even see it. You don't see pride. It's very hard to see pride in yourself. It's very hard to see worry as a sin. It's very hard to see these inward struggles that we have as sin, but it's, it's in thought, word, and deed that, that sin comes from. And so I think this passage can be very difficult to understand because he says, if you know Jesus and you're living in him, you won't sin. But I sin every day, and so do you. So what does that truly mean? I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but you do sin every day, right? Sorry, not that I'm following you around or anything, though some of you think I do. <clears throat> You've told me that before, but I think it's important to, to understand the context of this. Um, people could use this passage of Scripture and get really lost. What does that mean? What does he mean here? Well, I, I would ask, say to ask a couple questions. Do you feel remorse and regret when you fail to love God and others? Is there a regret? Is there a remorse? Then you can know that you're walking as a child of God. Because there should be conviction. There should be remorse when we don't talk to people right. Or we we do something wrong. I mean, it could be um, stealing something or whatever. Do you feel a conviction and do you do something about it? Do we... um, Feel, feel that immediately because I wrote this down. Sin is a betrayal of who I am in Christ. That, that to me is like God tells us that we're his children. And so when I don't act like one of his children, I'm betraying, you know, who I really am and whose I really am. Do I repent when I sin? Am I quick to ask for forgiveness? Am I, am I quick to, uh, repentance is that you were going in the wrong direction, you turn around, and you go in the right direction. That's simply what repentance means. Repentance is a daily thing, too. It's a way of life. It's not just, you know, a one-time deal. It's continually, Lord, keep me in the right direction, going with you. And then, do I resist sin? Some of you might think, man, I'm not doing very good at that. Why? Because what we don't hate, we're going to tolerate in our life. And until I begin to see the destructive nature of sin on myself and others, I can tolerate it. Because how many know sin is fun for a season, right? It, It offers a promise. Sin offers a promise. I will make you happy if you follow the way of sin. But anybody who's been around long enough know at the end of the day, sin has a tough backbite. <laughs> it, it, it will ruin your life, and it does ruin lives. It ruins marriages, ruins families, ruins churches, sadly, sometimes. What I don't hate, I'll tolerate. So what are those tolerating things in your life that you, that you see coming? Because there's two things I can do with sin. I can, I can tolerate it, or I can fight it with the gospel. I can fight it with the power of the gospel. What do I mean by that? Let me read read on of what uh, John says here. He says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. 
So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. There's a lot there. That passage used to scare me. And it might scare some of you today when you, when you read that and think, uh, whose am I? I think this is more of a promise than it is a warning, or he's just stating a fact as well, that if you've been born of God, you're a follower of Jesus, then you're not going to make a continual habitual habit out of sin. You'll have remorse. You'll have regret. You'll repent and you'll get in back in the fight to resist sin and its destructive pattern in our life. I really believe that. If you, if you know that you've been born of God, you're going to sin, but then you'll stop, and you'll repent, and you'll get on the, in the fight again and, and resist it again and again, and begin to learn what the resources that we've been given in the power of Christ living in us. You have everything you need for life and godliness. You lack nothing. So don't ever cave in and say, I can't, I can't get over this. I can't get over this. You can, because he can. Him through you. It's always going to be about our dependence upon the Lord. You're never going to be sinless. I read this quote. You'll never be sinless, but, he, but you can learn to sin less. <laughs> You know, that's the heart of what I'm trying to say this morning and what I believe the Lord is asking of us. We're not going to be sinless, but we can learn to sin less. I want that. I don't want to be an angry person or a selfish person, unloving. I want to be a person that, that is being transformed into the likeness of Jesus and the way he thinks, acts, and speaks in every as- aspect of my life, whether I was a pastor or not. That's totally irrelevant. So that word there, practice, means a continued, unchecked, with no remorse attitude towards sin. So let that, it's, it's an unrepented, unchecked, no remorse to my behavior, my words, my thoughts, whatever. And I think sometimes we, we, there's three possibilities concerning this is some people can pretend that everything's great, but behind closed doors, it's chaos. Behind closed doors, it's a mess. Then other people are trying to resist sin in your own strength and just find yourself failing over and over again. The secret to all of this is you and I learning to abide in Christ. And when I stay close with him, then I'm going to be able to resist temptation much, much easier. I remember a long time ago, I heard this Southern pastor, he preached a message and it was called sick dogs and dirty hogs. That was the name of the message. Sick dogs and dirty hogs. But he, he was preaching out of this passage in Peter, first Peter. And Peter quotes the proverb that says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so the fool does to their folly. Um, Bible's pretty straight up, right? <laughs> nice mental picture there. Thank you. But um, he's making a point. That's the sick dog. And in the other passage, it was about pigs wallowing in the mud and stuff. And so sick dogs and dirty hogs. He made this statement. I wrote it in my Bible. He said, a, a child of God lapses into sin and hates it. 
So we do. We, if you're, you're born of God, we lapse into sin and going, oh, God, I'm sorry. And we apologize to one another and we apologize, you know, to the Lord. And, and, and we know that we confess that to him and make things right. He said, a child of the devil uh, leaps into sin and loves it, meaning this is their lifestyle. This is, hey, who cares, you know? Um, this is how, it, with no desire to obey God or put his words into practice. And listen, we obey God and do what's right because it's right, right? We're only made right with God through Jesus's death on the cross and his resurrection. He paid it all. He did it all. And don't let the hard parts of the Bible, don't let the hard parts of, of Scripture and teaching make you think that, you know, somehow you can earn your way into God's favor. We can't. That's why Jesus came and died for us. Let's never lose sight of that. But as his disciple, we're learning how to live from him. And so if God says to do something or not to do something, it's because he loves us. And he wants what's best for us, just as you do as parents to your children. You want what's best for them. Do they always listen? No. But you, that doesn't change the motive of your heart of why you're asking something of your children. How much more our perfect Father in heaven? So just remember, when God says do something or don't do it, it's because he knows what's best for you. We got to listen and believe that. So I would say this. Um, how are you doing? How did you, how did, how, how's the spiritual checkup for you? Are you keeping close to Jesus? You know, finding your identity in him. Are you longing to be with him? Are you longing to be like him? In, in purity. And then, honestly, when you blow it, are you, are you quick to feel that conviction? If not, ask God to do it and he'll do it. Because we can learn how to tune the conviction of the spirit out we really can it becomes easier and easier sometimes and then we catch ourselves going how did i get here i counsel people all the time who didn't see something terrible in their life coming because it was little by little it's a slow fade into all of a sudden how did i end up doing what i'm done but the beauty of the gospel is whatever we've done when we trust Christ, he remembers our sin no more. That's awesome. Let's make a commitment today that we're going to stay close to him. Just in the quietness of your own heart in this moment, talk to him. Talk to him in your heart. Repent where you need to repent. Confess what you need to confess. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, today's the day. You can't clean yourself up <laughs> and then come to him. Let him do the cleaning. Let him do the changing. It's a lifelong process. He wants your heart. He wants you to trust him, be his disciple. you stand with me? Heavenly Father, 
How great is your love. Lord, that you could take a wretch like me and bring me into your family means any one of us come into your family because of your love. Lord, I felt your love for me, Lord, when I was running from you. I always felt your love drawing. I appreciate it. We appreciate you drawing us to you. Lord, where some of us in this room have false perceptions of who you are, help us to look at Jesus, to know exactly what you're like, Father. We take Jesus serious that he said, when we've seen him, we've seen you. Help us to live in your love today and also help us to stay close to you, remain in you. Help us to be more loving people and be like you. Lord, if there's someone in our lives that we need to forgive, that we're holding bitterness against, Lord, we release them. We forgive as we've been forgiven. Let there be no things in our hearts that uh, keep us from enjoying and experiencing you. Forgive us for trying to work our way into your kingdom. Lord, we know we don't, can't do that. We repent of that as well. We repent of self-righteousness, self-atonement. Lord, we can't do that. Lord, we recommit and commit our lives to be built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. For his glory, we pray. Amen.